All right, welcome back to the big program. Time now for the Puck Report brought to you by Fountain Tire. And Fountain Tire is helping you stay on the road safely with flexible payment plans to suit your needs. Talk to your local store about uh, financing options, and you can learn more at FountainTire.com. As we welcome in Joe O'Donnell, Minnesota Wild play-by-play man. Joe, you're with Kevin Carius on Sports 1440. Good morning. On a radio interview, but I think you follow the... Good morning, Joe. Hey, Kevin, how are you? Good, good. Thanks for hopping on here. Uh, we're pretty fired up to see a Minnesota Wild roster today here in Edmonton that has seemed to really, um, you know, come on of late and uh, and really, you know, kind of pushed itself into the Western Conference playoff race. Uh, our co-host on Thursdays, Ladislav Schmid, has been uh, banging the Wild roster drum for a, a long time, saying Minnesota is a, is a team that has to be reckoned with uh, when you look at the, the two wild card positions. What's kind of been the turnaround here since the coaching change uh, for the Wild, Joe? Well, I think it's, um, first off, it started with maybe a little bit of confidence for the group. I think they were lacking confidence at the time of the coaching change in late November. Um, you know, the players didn't change, but it just seemed like they played differently uh, when John Hines got here. And, and I don't think by any means that Dean Evison had lost the locker room. I really don't. I just think that they were in a rut. Uh, the coaching change seemed to kind of give them that, uh, that initial bump. Uh, some guys started to produce more frequently. The goaltending you know, probably got a little bit better if you look at some of the numbers there. And, and then the team started to roll a little bit. And when you start playing with confidence, as you know, uh, it can go a long way. So I think it was the initial sort of coaching change, maybe a little tweak to the system, some philosophy stuff, but then more than anything, the confidence. And and then, you know, there's highs and lows throughout that, right? It's, you know, been almost 40 games now with John Hines as the head coach. And uh, they've had some injury woes that have, that have hampered the team at times. But I give the wild credit. They were... You know, they looked dead in the water maybe even a few weeks back, but have gone on a pretty good run here. Um, Six-game point streak just finally came to an end the other night in Winnipeg, their first regulation loss in a while. And um, they put themselves in a spot now where the last 25 games mean something, and that's all you can ask for. Mm -hmm. Joe O'Donnell with us on Sports 1440. Uh, Individually, uh, how impressed have you been with uh, the rookie, Brock Faber, on the blue line? I mean, you know Connor Bedard's likely going to win the Calder, but holy smokes, this guy's been unbelievable this year. Yeah, probably not enough time in the segment to tell you just about how good Brock Faber has been, to be honest. Um, and he, he probably should win the Calder Trophy. But you're right, it's going to be hard to get over the sensation that is Connor Bedard, the, the media hype around him. Like, Brock Faber is going to have to just continue to play at this level the next 20-plus games um, if he wants to even, you know, kind of really contend for it. But, again, Bedard missed so much time that points-wise, they're, they're pretty much equal right now. Mm-hmm. And Faber's top 10 in the league in time on ice for the entire league. And we're talking about a rookie here, obviously. So it's been really impressive. I mean, he logged another 29 minutes the other night in Winnipeg. You can pencil him in for 25-plus minutes every night. He's playing in every situation. This is a kid that didn't get any power play ice time at the NCAA ranks, the University mm-hmm. of Minnesota. And now, you know because of circumstance and injury and and such, he got an opportunity on the Wilds power play and he's been there ever since. So uh, what a great story it's been. He's a heck of a kid, really good competitor. And uh, he probably deserves a lot more call to recognition to this point than he's, than he's already gotten. Yeah. Way more, way more as we're with uh, Joe O'Donnell from the Minnesota wild play by play man. So with, with Jared Spurgeon out, he's a local guy, as you know, is that where that opportunity was allowed for Faber to get, you know, get a little more opportunity, more chance and he took advantage of it. 
Yeah, I mean, I think on paper, when you looked at the start of the season, you hoped that Brock Faber would sort of slide in and replace Matt uh, Matt Dumba, who the Wild would have probably liked to kept in free agency. He just didn't have any money due to salary cap things, so, you know, situation. So, you know, you thought it would be Spurgeon and Middleton, Brodeen and Faber, and those are your top four, and you'd be set. Well, Spurgeon got hurt in the preseason, so he missed the first, I don't know, 15 games of the season or whatever it was, 12 games. Then he came back and he got hurt again. And it was just—it was a rough year for Jared Spurge. He's been shut down now for the season, unfortunately, for the yeah. Wild Captain. Um, so that, yeah, has meant a lot more ice time. Somebody needs to step up, and Faber certainly done that. Matt Boldy is coming on again. Was he? Is he a guy that would yeah. have benefited the most from the coaching change? But even though he was great under uh, Dean Evison last year, but just a slow start and just picking it up. What, what, what do you think of that? Yeah, I mean it's it's one of those questions that you know i don't know if there's an answer to it um but yeah it seemed like the second john hines took over matt boldy started to score goals uh, but he also got hot late last year mm-hmm. um when kareel kaprizov got hurt late last season uh and the wild were kind of on that playoff bubble you're thinking oh boy how are they gonna who's gonna carry the mail uh well, well boldy did that you know he was he was dynamic and he's been dynamic lately and he's been playing with kaprizov and Jules Eriksson Eck, the last handful of games, and that line has been, you could argue, as good as anyone in hockey, um, numbers-wise, since they've been put together. They've, you know, their the analytics are there, their shot attempts are there, they're producing at a high rate, and uh, they're going to have a big test, obviously, tonight. Edmonton. It'll be interesting to see the matchup um, that the Oilers mm-hmm. staff tries to get, you know, to to get McDavid or Drysaitel, whoever, you know, what what Edmonton's thinking from a matchup perspective, but. Uh, the Kaprizov, Erickson, Eck, and Boldy line has been really, really good for Minnesota. And Boldy's a big reason for that. He's shooting the puck at a super high rate. Uh, he's playing a north, you know, fast game up and down the ice. Not a lot of east-west to his game. And when he's moving his feet, that's really when he's at his best. Joe O'Donnell, Minnesota Wild play-by-play man, our guest on the Kevin Carey Show on Sports 1440, our Fountain Tire Puck Report. One of the segments we have, Joe, on our, uh, on our show is called uh, Are You In or Are You Out? And one of the questions today was, are you in or are you out on Kirill Kaprizov being uh, one of the most or being the most underrated superstar in the league? Uh, I was say- I said I was in because I just think that this guy kind of goes unnoticed a little bit too. But uh, just your thoughts on how he has played so far this year? He had 108 points a couple years ago, but uh, your thoughts on Kirill? Well, when he's healthy, he's as explosive and dynamic as it gets um, across the NHL, in my opinion. But you know, again, it's it's about for him um, staying healthy, right? And and on top of that, making sure he continues to produce at a clip where this wild team is going to have a chance to get into the playoffs. And and uh, they they rely on Kaprizov heavily, um, but some things have changed for him as well. Like if you, he's got more comfortable here in North America. He's talking to the media more now without a translator. Uh, he's taking on more of a leadership role this season for the wild. So I think his game's developing in ways um, maybe even off the ice in, in that respect, becoming more of a leader on this hockey team, becoming more of a face of the team. And that's obviously good for Minnesota, but it's good for the NHL as well. When you have some of your top players that uh, step to the forefront in those situations, it only benefits everybody involved. He is certainly not underrated in Minnesota. Yeah. Um, he's their dynamic game breaker that they, this franchise has waited a long time for. Um, maybe not since Marion Gabrick have they had a player that you would pay to see. Uh, and that's no offense to the guys that have come before Kaprizov 
and in between Gabrick and he. But um, he is that type of player. Uh, you know, he had a, the three-goal, three-assist game against Vancouver the other day, one of just a few players in NHL history um, that have pulled off the a six-point game in recent memory. So um, he, he is that good. He really is. He gets up and down the rank, his skating, his competitiveness, puck battles. Um, he can shoot it. And his chemistry on the power play with a guy like Matt Zuccarello has really helped Minnesota lately, uh, trying to, again, climb up into that wild-card picture. Joe O'Donnell with us on Sports 1440. Uh, I had a really good, long conversation uh, with Billy Guerin when he was here for Doug Waits, uh, uh, Hall of Fame honor with the Oilers, Joe. And, uh, you know, I think he's going to be popping a, a bottle of champagne at the end of next year when Parisi and Suter come off uh, <laughs> the dead cap buyout. Uh, and uh, he's almost been doing this roster for several years now with one hand uh, behind his back. Uh, I guess just the roster construction, how impressed have you been with what Garen has had to do with uh, the cards that he's been dealt? Yeah, this comes up a lot, obviously, when you're talking about the Minnesota Wild because they're in a very unique spot, right? And and as you said, it ends after next season. So you have another year of almost $15 million that you just can't spend compared to the other teams if you wanted to. Uh, but the, the one thing that I like and the one thing that's always been sort of the mantra uh, from Bill Guerin and the rest of his staff is they don't care about that. They don't they don't talk about it. They don't use it as an excuse. It's a reality. They put themselves in the spot, but Bill Guerin made those moves because he thought the team would be better for it. And it's hard to argue with them. You know, um, there were things with Zach Parise and Ryan Suter, I think leadership and, and culture-wise in the locker room that just weren't how you build a winner. Um, you know, I don't know enough about it. I wasn't here that long while they were here, so hard for me to really comment too much on it, but the vibe I got is that the organization took a step forward in some of those areas. Obviously, they lost two, you know, Hall of Fame players, you could say, Um, and and the cap ramifications have been hard on the wild to build that roster, like we mentioned, but I think overall, they, they, it was a little bit of, uh, had been lifted um, from the locker room, from the leadership group. Like other guys were able to step up and take a hold of this team, like a Jared Spurgeon. And I think the Wild overall are better for it now. Mm-hmm. It's just tough to put together a roster when, you know, imagine another $7 million winger <laughs> and a $6 million defenseman on this team, right? Yeah. They'd be right there at the top of the Western Conference, most likely. Well, Minnesota right now, four points out of a, a wild card spot in the West. A wild play by play man Joe O'Donnell uh, with us. So, how busy do you think and how active will Bill Guerin be with the trade deadline coming up here in, you know, a dozen days or so, um, a couple of weeks? But uh, we always hear the name Marc Andre Fleury as well bouncing around. So, how busy do you think he'll be, Joe? I think he's always busy. I think that's Bill Guerin and his nature is to be aggressive. Um, kind of back to that last question, like he doesn't make an excuse for where they're at. Uh, he wants to win every night from a GM perspective. There's, I don't think the word rebuild is in his vocabulary. Um, so I, I think that the wild will make some moves. Um, you know, they have with Spurgeon going on the LTIR. They have some cap space now. Um, do they try to add a defenseman? Uh, I would think so. Uh, they did claim Je- uh, Declan Chisholm off waivers from Winnipeg. He's played the last couple games for Minnesota. He's played pretty well. I think ultimately the Wild will try and acquire a defenseman. You know, Flurry, from everything we gather through media reports, is going to control his own destiny. Like if he feels the Wild have faded out of the race in the next couple of weeks, he might say, yep, I want to go to a contender and keep my playoff streak intact and try and win another Stanley Cup. Um, the other the other card in all this is Pat Maroon. Mm-hmm. Right? He was acquired 
by Minnesota in the offseason. He's got that Stanley Cup winning pedigree with the three cups, all kinds of experience. He's injured right now, recovering from back surgery. Um, he's a guy that the Wild could move. I don't know what you get for, for a Pat Maroon, especially coming off an injury. But if the Wild, again, feel like they're in a spot where, you know, moving Maroon for an asset is better than, you know, inserting him back into the bottom six and trying to compete for a wild card spot, I think that could be a move you see as well. What's the timeline on Pat Maroon and also uh, Marcus Foligno, Joe? Uh, I'm hoping Foligno uh, is back sometime in the next week or so. I don't have confirmation on that. We just know he won't play this weekend. Uh, the Wild do play in Seattle tomorrow after taking on the Oilers tonight. So they get a tough back-to-back uh, with some big points here. So there'll be no Felino and no Zach Bogosian on this two-game trip. He got hurt in Winnipeg. And you want to talk about a sneaky good find for the Wild in November when they were able to, to get him from basically nothing from Tampa Bay. He's played huge minutes for the Wild as this year's moved along. That will be a big loss in the next couple games. Uh, as far as the timeline on Maroon goes, you know, I think they're thinking probably right after the deadline is when he'll be healthy. Um, last year, the Wild actually acquired Gustav Nyquist, mm-hmm. who was recovering from surgery, and he didn't play until the final couple of regular season games. So you can acquire or move a player that is injured um, and then, you know, obviously get him back hopefully in time for the playoffs. So Maroon could be moved, uh, even though he's going to be out for at least another few weeks. I don't believe he's been skating or, or anything close to that yet. Uh, one last one for you, Joe. Uh, what's it like working with the great Tommy Reed? Uh, I, I was lucky enough to do uh, Oiler games as a fill-in basis and met Tom many times, ate at the restaurant, because we did a lot of Minnesota games back in the day when uh, no one wanted to do those on, yeah, on the normal old, TV. the old Northwest Division. <laughs> ah, well, they were they were the pay-per-view games, and back when Jock was coaching the Wild and it was one nothing games, it was mm-hmm. the, those were the games that the networks didn't want and things <laughs> like that. But Tommy's just such a beauty, isn't he? No, well, you said it. You called him the great Tom Reed. That's exactly what he is. Um, you know, I was came up through the, the Wilds minor league system and, and taking over for Tom's longtime partner, Bob Kurtz, who had just an unbelievable broadcasting run in his career. And when he decided to retire, I was lucky enough to, to kind of jump right in. And Tom couldn't have been more welcoming, more hospitable, um, helping me along the way. He is one of the most caring, gentle people. Uh, you'll ever meet. Mm-hmm. He's so passionate about the game, even in his 70s, prepares the same way, never misses a game, never misses a morning skate. Um, he is such a great ambassador for the game, uh, really loves his job, and you won't find anybody that's got a bad word to say about Tom Reed. Mm, uh, he's just, yeah, one of the best, and scored that that uh, penalty shot goal. I remember we were talking about it years ago against yep. Kenny Dryden, and that's, well, it's, I don't know, in the 70s, early 70s, so... Uh, he was just uh, just. I think a, it's the only the only penalty shot goal Ken Dryden allowed in his <laughs> Hall of Fame career. It's, it's just, to the one and only Tom Reed. Yeah, I get just a great great story. Uh, hey, thanks for your time today, Joe. We'll maybe see you down at the rink tonight for the game. Uh, really appreciate it. Yep, thanks for having me. All right, that's Joe O'Donnell, Minnesota Wild play by play man, and our puck report brought to you by Fountain Tire. Head to fountaintire.com uh, to check out their winter tire lineup and brand offerings. Just want to let you know because we haven't got to him in a little bit, but our text line has been down for a little bit, and I'm sure Bob is just going bananas right now uh, that we haven't got to any of his texts. But uh, our text line's been down. The crew's working on it. Uh, it's uh, It could be a, like a nationwide error. Duke. It, like it, it's, it's way out of the scope, way out of the realm of what uh, I can do to help out here. 
Well, you and me both. You and me both, Kev. No, um, we we sometimes get this uh, this error message flash across (laughs) the top of the screen. Sometimes it's like nothing. It's just like you know degraded performance or whatever. And then sometimes it's things like this where basically it's uh, it's entirely down. And uh, so if you are sending messages, we're not uh, we're not just openly ignoring you. No, Uh, we we just simply aren't getting them at this point. So uh, uh, be patient with us, and we'll uh, we'll as soon as they start rolling through again, we'll be happy to uh, respond or answer any questions that maybe have gone unanswered over the last little bit of the show. How does this sound, dude? Give us a call, 1-833-401-1440. Give us a shout. Uh, we're going to have Ted Appleman on. So if we can get to a couple calls after we get Ted on. Uh, Team Sturmey head coach, uh, Scotty's Tournament of Hearts continuing in Calgary. Sturmey ready for a big game at noon. But uh, give us a shout after the uh, Sturmey, uh, the uh, Ted Appleman interview. Uh, we're back uh, with Ted right after the break on the Kevin Carey Show on Sports 1440. Stay with us. Ah, boy, Duke, uh, Navajo rug, Ian Tyson. That's a, a popular request, always. Isn't it? Popular request, you know. Good Alberta guy. Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a stalwart. It's a staple at the Briar Patch. Guys, two step into that. <laughs> you know. Uh, uh, time now for the game of the day. Brought to you by St. Albert Dodge. Over three hundred new Dodge Ram and Jeeps are available. Zero percent for up to seventy-two months on select models, and also zero percent available on Ram fifteen hundreds. That's only at St. Albert Dodge. Dot com as we welcome in Ted Alpelman, the head coach of Team Sturme as the Scotties Tournament of Hearts roll along in Calgary. Good morning, Ted. How you guys doing? Uh, doing great. And you guys are just fired up. I mean, this team is rolling at the Scotties. Um, even as a coach right now, Ted, as you get ready for this game at noon up against, uh, you know, a very formidable opponent, Team Sturme up against uh, Jennifer Jones as a coach. Do you kind of get even uh, the butterflies going a little bit? Oh man, my stomach is turning this morning. <laughs> yeah, it's gonna be uh, it's gonna be quite the game for sure. Um, confidence, it's such a, a crazy thing, and Selena and her crew have just kind of caught that at the start of the week and continued uh, to increase that confidence. Have you seen that up front, front row and center with this rink? Yeah, you know it's been like that uh, all year. Uh, this team's very unique that way. They're very calm and cool you know, on and off the ice. And uh, when the pressure's on, they they just find a way to stay calm, stay in the moment, and uh, and it serves them well in big games. Ted Appleman, Team Sturmite coach with us on Sports 1440. So uh, this game against Jennifer Jones uh, in the uh, Page playoff system, so Selena and her crew finished number one in, in the pool and Jones number two in the uh, other one, so they cross over. Uh, you, you've probably felt it with, with Jennifer and the amount that she's meant to curling in Canada, Ted, but uh, do, have you have you seen it and felt I mean, I was even watching last night, and uh, I guess it was Carrie Galusha said, uh, gave her a hug at the end, and she was on the mic and said, you better not play like that tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> so have you kind of felt it with Jones uh, heading into this match? I mean, she's, a, she's, for lack of better terms, a curling icon. Mm-hmm. You know, she really is. She uh, has been at the top of the sport for so many years. Um, one of the best, you know, Canadian curlers to ever play the game. So, um, she, and they're playing great. You know, her herself is playing really well. Her team's playing really well. So, uh, for us, we just got to focus on what we can control and and stick to our game plan mm-hmm. and uh, just make make all the easy shots. As a team, as a coach, Ted, how do you kind of draw up that game plan going in, or do you have to kind of feel it as the game goes along? Well, we're at a, you know, we get to start, we because we finish first place, we start with uh, choice of rock color and we get hammer in the first end. So uh, we can kind of dictate how the first, 
you know, few ends are going to play out. So we'll have a strategy talk uh, in about 10 minutes here, actually, <laughs> uh, before we head to the arena. And uh, we'll go over some strategy and how we're going to play, you know, the first end out, the second end out. And then uh, from that point on, it's just getting a feel for the ice and how you know, things are going. And then you just, uh, you know, make adjustments from mm-hmm. there. Um, how many times have you guys played, uh, uh, Jennifer, this year? I, uh, I think we played them once. Once, okay. I think we've played them once. Uh, I could be wrong here. I don't want to say if we won or lost, but mm-hmm. I think we played them once early in the year. And as you know, Jennifer is very aggressive. How does that come into strategy and things like that? Yeah, you just got to be prepared for that. Um, you know, you know certain teams are going to play more aggressive. You know, some teams are more defensive. Uh, so you just have to be prepared for that. Uh, there's going to be lots of rocks in play. And uh, just make sure, you know, our rock positioning is uh, is key for this game. Ted Appleman, Team Sturmay coach. So I'm going to run down the rink here and, and just one by one, Ted, if you can kind of give give uh, our listeners a little, just a, a, the dynamic. What makes the curler tick? Let's start with the skip. Selena Sturmay, what do you see in her when you're watching her that makes her, you know, a, a high-level competitor uh, at the Scotties right now? She sees the game very well. Uh, it's a difficult thing for, for most people to be a skip. Uh, it's a lonely position out there in that arena in front of all those people. Uh, so you got to be, uh, you know, she's very, very calm and very, very poised. And uh, she sees the strategy very well. So uh, that's, a, that's a big asset. When, I mean, she did it at the junior level for, you know, had great, great junior teams. Um, are you just starting to see, uh, I think she was silver at the Worlds uh, several years ago. Are you starting to see her take that next jump? you know, to where she's doing, accomplishing the same amount at this level? Yeah, definitely. I mean, she's had a lot of, a lot of success in the past. Um, we've worked uh, quite a bit this year on the technical side of things and on the strategy side of things, and uh, she's just been getting better and better, um, gaining more confidence. And I think uh, in the next few years in Alberta, she's going to be a, a big force. Uh, Selena, with a, a silver medal, World Junior Curling Championship 2019 in Liverpool. So, uh, you, you know, the vice sets things up, as you know, Ted, uh, being a skip for a long, long time. So Danielle Schmiemann, uh, she has been really lights out. Maybe, uh, I don't know if, you, I haven't seen the rankings as far as thirds go, uh, but she's got to be right up there. Uh, what makes her tick as a third? Yeah, I think she's uh, third overall okay. after the round robins for, for thirds. Um, she's just a shooter, plain and simple. She makes a lot of shots. Uh, very good technically, you know, and so under pressure, she's able just to to make those shots, and and uh, it's huge for helping out Selena. Mm-hmm. Uh, strengths, weaknesses for her as far as uh, hitting, drawing, in turn, out turn. Uh, well, I can't be divulging that information. <laughs> <laughs> she's all around a great player. Mm-hmm. Um, second, Desiree Hawes. Uh, what can you tell us about her? She's the glue of the team. <laughs> she really mm-hmm. is. She. Uh, She's the uh, the mom off the ice, so to speak, you could say, and she's uh, she's got a great personality, super positive, and uh, and and a good shooter as well. I think she's in the top four this week as well. So, a uh, very good shooter, makes a lot of shots. You know, I actually saw a stat, Ted. I think it was middle of the week somewhere in there where they had stats about where the second and third were. Uh, what when you get a plus, was it oh, you got a curl? How many percent over the the opposition? Second, uh, you got to out curl your opposition by five percent, right? And I think uh, both Danielle and Des um, are a plus four right now. Yeah, I think when yeah. I saw it in the, during the week, Ted, it was plus four and plus three. I can't remember who had the uh, the four or the three, but um, so 
how much do you put stock in that as a, you know, when you're looking at stats or uh, being, you know, analytics and things, because it's in every, every sport when you see uh, a member of your team kind of out curling the member of the opposition. I mean, it's huge, right? Uh, it, when you, when the middle of your lineup is playing that well, uh, that just means all the pressure is usually on the other team. Uh, it means our skip has easier shots and their skip has harder shots. Uh, it sounds very simple, but um, it means a world of difference in the end. Mm-hmm. And, of course, lead Paige Papley. Uh, what makes her uh, you know, one of the top leads going into uh, the weekend here as well? Uh, Paige is a phenomenal sweeper. Uh, she, I'm going to say she's top three in the world. If you watch her sweep, mm-hmm. uh, the power she has, her technique, and her her weight judgment is is first rate, first class, um, and she's a great shooter as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ted Appleman with us, uh, Team Sturmey head coach is uh, Selena and her crew get set to take on Jennifer Jones in one of the two 12 o'clock games uh, today at the Scotties Tournament of Hearts in Calgary. And the other noon game, it'll be uh, Rachel Holman and Carrie Anderson. Now, depending on how things work out, uh, waiting in the wings are uh, Cameron and Law uh, for games uh, later today. At uh, I believe that's a six o'clock draw for later today, Ted. Is that, is that correct? That's correct. Yeah. yeah. Um, when you go into this situation, Ted, uh, after uh, the difference, we've all known how it's been for the Scotties for for a long time, and they changed this rules a few years back. Do the curlers like the two pools with, uh, you know, when you're playing the eight games round robin and then moving into a situation where now only six teams moved on, which is a big thing. We saw it with the tiebreakers yesterday. Crazy amount of tiebreakers coming down to shots to the button. Uh, what's the reaction been with the curlers with the new format kind of thing? Yeah, it's it, it's definitely a big change. Uh, that's how they do it on the world on the world stage so when you get to the worlds. So curling Canada Canada has been emulating that uh, that process. So it's trickled down into our national championships. Um, you know, I think at first. Most curlers were against it. You, you never want to be eliminated on a on a draw of the button. You'd like to play that tiebreaker, but uh, everyone's kind of embraced it. It's the way it is now. Everyone accepts it. You know, you know beforehand going into the event. So uh, that draw of the button is super important oh. pregame, and uh, like we practice it in practice, and I know a lot of the other teams do as well, just because it is that important. Uh, before this, uh, Scotty's Ted, just kind of run down to our listeners how the season went and how you, as a team, you know, you go in, in certain slam events and then you take time off and you want to kind of peak at this time of the year for the Scotties. Just to run down kind of how the season went for the team. Yeah, it was a pretty busy schedule this year for the girls. Um, I think they played a total of 11 events. Uh quite a bit of practice at the start of the year, obviously, because there's not as many events. And then that mid part of the season is mostly traveling and curling. Mm-hmm. And then going into our provincial playdowns, uh, you know, it was a lot of practice, a lot of time out on the ice. And then uh, from provincials till now, there, were, there hasn't been any events to play in. So we've just been practicing and, and just getting prepared for this event. But it's been a long season for the girls. Mm-hmm. Uh, what got you into coaching, Ted? Because, you know, I've talked to you many times over the years when you're, you know, curling in Alberta and Northern Men's and whether it be, you know, the, the Tankard or Boston Pizza Cup, things like that. Uh, what mm-hmm. what kind of got you into coaching? You know, I've always loved coaching, the coaching side of it. I coach uh, my kids' uh, soccer teams and hockey teams, and uh, I've always had a bit of a passion for it. Um, you know, having played the game of curling at a – you know, very high level myself. I understand the game and the ins and outs, and I felt like I had something to offer at the coaching 
coaching side of things. So when this team asked me, I, I jumped all over it, and, and I'm glad I did. I, I love the the thing from, I guess it would be last year, when they said you were coming out of retirement to, to play. <laughs> <laughs> that was in the Boston Pizza Cup. Kind of run us through that story if you can. Yeah, so the the year before, uh, we were in Provincials in Grand Prairie, and that was the COVID year, and uh, two of our players had COVID. So we had to get to ask someone to come with us. So we asked Aaron Suchinski to come play with us, and uh, we ended up making it to the final. Of course, we lost to Kevin Cooey again. Mm-hmm. And then uh, last year, um, uh, Aaron's uh, second, Care Drummond, they're expecting their first child. And... Uh, so they, he couldn't play provincials. So uh, Aaron gave me a call and asked if I'd re- repay the favor, and I said I would. So we had a pretty good showing last year as well. And uh, I guess how happy, how proud are you uh, that Aaron won the province, uh, you know, in in Hinton over Cooey? Yeah, super, super happy for those guys. That's a, a great group of guys. Um, Aaron's a great curler. Um, you know, a young team that's put a lot of effort in. You know, they travel a lot. They play a lot of big events. And they work hard at the game. So uh, super happy for those guys. Uh, super excited to see three Alberta teams in the Briar this year, too. Yeah, it's another great representation for our province. We had Aaron on uh, last week, Ted. I tried to get him on Monday, and I, we, we were texting him all morning. And he said, uh, sorry, man, I, di- I didn't go to bed till like 6.30 when they got back got back to Calgary from Hinton. And he said he slept till noon, but we had him on Tuesday. So I think he's really, really excited to represent uh, Alberta. As you said, three teams, and that's another tough, tough Briar field uh when they get things going in regina next week oh amazing field yeah that's going to be quite the quite the show in regina uh they always have good crowds out there so it's going to be it's going to be a great event and just a, a final thought on today's uh, match it's coming up at noon uh against jennifer jones uh you say you got the butterflies how do, how do you keep kind of keep that in check and uh, nervous excitement is always great in sporting events uh so just your thoughts on today yeah no we, we talk about that a lot as a team uh and it's, you know, it's just a mindset, you know, it's worrying about what you can control and, and not uh, getting too far ahead of yourselves. Don't worry about the outcome. We just uh, one shot at a time and, and stick to the game plan and uh, everything should work out just fine. Do you have that? Do you have a mindset coach too with the, with the girls or is that something that you kind of take care of as well? Yeah, no, uh, uh, like, like you mean myself personally? Yeah. Or like, you know, there are, people are always looking for that edge psychology, et cetera, et cetera. Right. Yeah, it's it's a bit of a you know I've got to be aware of how the girls are are performing out there on the ice or do they look nervous? Um, you know what can I say to to calm things down or 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 what do I need to do to to keep them focused on the task at hand? So always watching for that and and uh, it's a you know it's also a learning process for them being their first Scotties. So uh, they've handled it really well so far. Always got to have a, one of those relaxing jokes in the chamber, right, Ted? <laughs> That's right. <laughs> hey, Ted, thanks for doing this. I know you're busy this morning. You got like an hour and a half till uh, till game time till you, till the ladies slide out of the hack in Calgary. Appreciate it. Best of luck. We're all pulling for you. Uh, take care and thanks for coming on. Thanks, guys. Really appreciate all the support. All right, that's Ted Appleman, coach of Team Sturme, as I guess well, Alberta gets ready for Jennifer Jones in Manitoba. Man, Jennifer Jones is gunning for her seventh Scotty's title, Duke. Only, well, she's tied with Colleen Jones for six. Uh, kind of a bit of a rock and a hard place, I think, for a lot of longtime curling fans. I, I, I think it's easy, of course, to automatically want to root for, uh, for Selena Sturme as kind yeah. of the, the upstart and, and the dominant uh, or one of the dominant players in the field this week. But with, with it being Jennifer Jones, and I'll, I'll be the first to admit, I've uh, long... Um, 
you know, cheered against Jennifer Jones. It's, <laughs> you know, you, you, it's, you see it in every sport. You're good long enough. You kind of become the villain, right? You're, yeah. you're the big bad wolf and everybody wants to bring their best against you to, to try and beat you. But I, I would love Selena to, to win here and then maybe see Jennifer Jones uh, drop down to the three, four game and work up through the other page playoffs and uh, see a, a rematch of it in the finals. Cause uh, having Jennifer Jones in her last, uh, last Scotties uh, in the final match on Sunday, I think would be a real storybook ending to what's been a, a, a great week in Calgary. I mean, the, when they host these tournaments, whether it's the Briar, whether it's the Scotties, mm-hmm. whether it's one of the slams, here in Alberta, the crowds are always the best. Saskatchewan does very well uh, as well. But uh, I think it, it's curling's really at home in Alberta, so it should be a great weekend. Selena Sturme, Jennifer Jones, our St. Albert Dodge game of the day. Slide out of the hack in about an hour and a half. It's brought to you by St. Albert Dodge with an industry-leading 4.6 Google review rating. Head up the trail. St. Albert Dodge, see how easy it is to do business with the great people up there. The beautiful shop, holy smokes. Uh, StAlbertDodge.com. Check it out for any information you need. Uh, Jason Greger reporting from Oilers Morning Skate that Ryan Nugent Hopkins is out for the optional today that it looks like he will be back after missing uh, that last game against Boston with an illness. We will see how maybe the lines look moving forward. We'll talk uh, a little more Oilers when we come back, set up the table, set up the game for tonight's Oilers Minnesota Wild with the Duke and talk a little about the Critters last night, a little bit more with the Critters big game in Daysland, the Duke's final farewell of the season. <laughs> <laughs> That's coming up, Sports 1440. Stay with us. You know, Duke, every Friday... This song makes me want to stay another hour or two in the chair. It really does. Like you, you and Connor can just leave it. Take an hour, another hour off here at eleven. Really? Yeah, I'll just hang out and You're I'll, I'll run the board. I'll run the board. That's how much that song does to me. That, that's what it does. That's what it means to me. It's a great one. It, I'll be honest, Kev. Since. Since we kicked this thing off uh, six months worth of Fridays ago, and I heard it for the first time, it, uh, it has really grown on me, and I very much enjoy it. Well, our text line is open, and I think our we're rocking and rolling with our phone line, too. And I got a feeling I know who called just now, too, but um, we're not going to get to that. Uh a lot of texts about, uh, and, and again, we've been off the text line for a couple hours just because we had some uh, technical difficulties. First of all, Northside Lucid, Duke, isn't it time to, for She Sells Sanctuary again to pump up the vibe? Man. We'll have to, well, here, I, that's cool. my bad, missed that. We will uh, bank that one Yeah. for, for next Friday. Montana to Rice, hey, KK, how do muffins and cookies work for you then? No chocolate chips makes no sense. I don't know. We were talking about banana bread. Muffins and cookies are just fine with chocolate chips. I don't, I'm not understanding. What's he, do you get what he's cooking here, Duke? Well, because you said in your uh, the banana bread discussion, yeah. obviously, about this. But, I mean, yeah, cookies. And you, you said the muffins that, uh, that Laura makes for you. Yes. There's a few chocolate chips in there with a uh, bunch of different kinds of nuts and seeds. It's seeds. A, it's a zucchini. Hell, a little, and, and then, yeah, we had another text saying that you were uh, you lost them at the Z in zucchini. Mm-hmm. Yeah, what was that one? That, one, that one <laughs> came in too, yeah. Uh, Big Easy says, damn, Karis, you're fancy. I do agree, though. Truffle salt and oil is a game changer. Oh, so we got a call on the line, eh? It's, uh, I, it's, I your, have a it's, feeling, your, it's your old friend. Kev. I have a feeling that I might know who this is. Call again, uh, 1-833-401-1440. Uh, who do we have on the line here? I don't know, some Bob guy, Kevin. Oh, good morning, Bob. How are you? How come you couldn't good, get I the have... question right, Bob, earlier? 
Yeah, actually, I did because I said Russia, no. I said Finland, and I said there was no playoffs. It was all round robin. It technically wasn't all. It was a, a two pool round robin, Bob. Then the top four teams went to the playoff pool, yeah. and you carried the points over from the teams you beat in the so original. Second double question, Kevin. No trick question here. 1968, which team got um, acknowledged as being the preseason favorite in the NFL and won the NFL first title? Okay, what? Second, what in was 1968. Yeah. A team in the NFL was the preseason favorite and won the NFL title. Who is it, Kevin? Green Bay Packers. They've got some green in them, but it's not the Packers. It's the uh, some guy team called the J-E-T-S. What? <laughs> the Jets. Oh, J-E-T-S. Okay. There you go. There's your 10-second question back at you. 10 seconds isn't enough. Oh, sure it is. I just, but I, I mean, first of all, I could, I'm just seeing it right now. 68. Well, everyone was favored to win. No, that's not correct. They were not favored to win. I'll show you the article. Oh, come on. They were 17-point underdogs. The Jets were not favored to win. Preseason, they were favored to win. They were 17-point underdogs the week of that tournament. No, you're wrong. Okay, Bob, we got to let you go. We got to let you go, Bob. You're you're incorrect on that one. So... I wasn't actually listening totally to him. So it was favored to win the Super Bowl and won it. Then he goes 10 seconds. So now they were not favored, Duke, to win. The Jets were not favored to beat Indianapolis. Not in the, Bob is saying, in the preseason rankings or something. They would have uh, never even had that back I, then. I was just going to say, I don't think the, the sports books would have had that out on uh, playalberta.ca for your future bets in 1968 to gauge which, um, which team had the best preseason odds. <laughs> Brendan says, I'm paying to watch Bob in a KK boxing match. Pay-per-view down at the Jubilations Dinner Theater. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah. I, Bob came in, though, and he graciously brought us cookies, right? Yes. But then he also said he ran a 4.440 back in the day. At his size. Uh, yeah. <laughs> well, I don't know. What, what does that mean? He's a, I didn't really understand that because, like, if you're bigger, does that mean you're slower? So but, he said at his size. That's what he was saying at well, his he, size. He's, he's like, at my size, hmm. ran a 4.440. Well, good for uh, good for Bob. Thanks anyway. for the call, Bob. Yeah, I was at Gord Oil. You lost me at the Z in Zucchini. It's Z. actually Z. Z Z. I, I, Zed, I, Zed's dead, baby. Zed's no, dead. No, yeah. no, no. Zed's dead, baby. Uh, KK, what's the name of that song and who did it? Saskatoon. Thanks from Lawrence. That is Sonny James, and uh, we play that every last break on Fridays on the Kevin Carey Show because it's from Slapshot, Sonny James, uh, and it's not in every Slapshot cut because some of them are, um, they have a different component to it, but uh, Sonny James sings the song, a little bit south of Saskatoon. Um, <laughs> I got a personal text from... Uh, Portuguese Johnny. Wow, you and Bob arguing makes for not so good radio. I agree. <laughs> I agree. Thanks, Portuguese. Uh, yes. It's good to have the text line back. But yeah, a little bit south of Saskatoon. That's uh, to Lawrence. Oilers announcing from the morning skate that it will indeed be Cal Pickard in goal tonight. 
several uh, people reporting that uh, down at the morning skate. Uh, and as mentioned, um, Ryan Nugent Hopkins back on the ice. We'll see where he slots in. We were talking about that earlier. Earlier, are uh, on uh, are you in or are you out? And uh, some people thought maybe that he would slot in uh, immediately. Immediately back uh, part side with Connor McDavid. Some people think maybe Warren Fogle deserves to stay there for to start the game anyway. I think Fogle will start tonight with McDavid, and I think maybe by the end of the game you might see Nugent Hopkins there. We'll see how it goes. Minnesota again. A, a tough opponent in the sense where they just kind of find a way to hang in there. The Wild are four points back of the wild card after St. Louis shut out the Islanders for nothing last night. So the Blues are another team that kind of making some hay here. Uh, Toronto uh, does the Oilers a favor by beating Vegas last night. Nashville does the Oilers a favor by beating LA. Seattle does the Oilers a favor by beating Vancouver, so the Western Conference and Pacific standings, uh, the Oilers remain two back of Vegas now with four games in hand. They're 12 back of Vancouver with six games in hand. Canucks in Boston, as David Amber mentioned, and again, I kind of missed that one because I was looking for a late start last, uh, you know, when you look at the schedule, but they will play at 4 o'clock Pacific time. Yeah, that's not the usual hockey night in Canada. No. <laughs> Uh, so it'll be an afternoon, I guess. Uh, I, I, it's so weird, I, like four o'clock. That's I don't mind it either. I, I don't mind it. Either. Like yeah. I agree with everything Dave said, yeah. but it's funny because can you really call that like a matinee? Like matinee games are one, two o'clock, but four o'clock that's approaching evening. Mm-hmm. That's like that is a very weird start time. Local, like local start time, obviously. Texter comes in at one eight three three four zero one fourteen forty. BB says, is Marc-Andre Fleury starting? Not to be determined yet, but we'll know in the next hour or so. It'll be an interesting dynamic who uh, will be the goaltender. Marc-Andre Fleury, his name's been out there for a long time. I don't think he goes anywhere. I don't think he wants to go anywhere. I don't think so either. I, I think the Wild, if they're like uh, like Joe O'Donnell said, like the, the rebuild whatever is not in Bill Guerin's vocabulary, they're going to keep pushing. They're currently... Four points out of a wild card spot. <laughs> this was awesome here. This is from AT and the Deer. I missed most of the show, so not sure how much talk about the Leafs there was today. <laughs> you should have sent it in when Frank was on the other day. Uh, but was it mentioned that Max Domi has two more goals in one game than McDavid in seven games? Wow. Need more Need more Leafs talk on the program. You know, it's funny that, uh, you know, I would say when you're comparing players, Max Domi, Connor McDavid, they're just on the same page, aren't they? <laughs> Very comparable. Uh. <laughs> Bob, he, I'm Bob. Don't bother coming in. Kevin's out of here. And- I'm not even. I'm not here, Bob. Bob says he's driving in with this article about <laughs> the fact that the Jets were favored. In uh, I wonder what publication. Yeah, Bob's own handwriting. It's not- there's no way. I mean, Indianapolis was the favorite all year. Johnny Unitas, although Johnny Unitas, I don't know if he played in that game totally. I think there was an injury. I still remember it's one of the best iconic uh, videos because that's when color was, you know, we had color Super Bowl and everything like that. And the big banana waving number one finger, Joe <laughs> Namath going off the yeah, field. Yeah. 
We also talked about this, that Joe Namath documentary. You got to check that out, Duke. It's a two-part series. Um, uh, is it 30 for 30 or Football Life? I think it's Football Life. Two-part series, and it is just incredible. There's one part in it that um, there was a, a police officer that was watching him and following him around. And he, he was he was getting out of some bar at three or four or five in the morning, and he had a a woman on each arm, and he had one of those that great big long fur coat that he always wore. And the police officer went, "I'm laying everything down on the opposition. Game time here at about one o'clock. There's no way." Namath goes to the game, throws three four TDs, three hundred yards, and uh, they win it. And the and uh, they end up, uh, the police officer lost all of his uh, betting money. Oh, boy. Yeah. <laughs> Husks is on me now. Everyone, Bob is off his rocker, Big Oil in Fort Mac goes. No way. No way. I'm getting tons of personal text to my personal line, and I don't know. Scrap Bob, Dad. That's from my son, Chad House. Oh, man. Well, Bob is making his way onto the airwaves. All right, Duke, so run us down your big schedule today, and uh, we should mention the Critters again. Last night, you were with the Critters in Daysland. Good crowd, good money raised uh, for Daysland, and uh, last game of the year for the Critters. Last game of the year, 30th anniversary season uh, for the Critters. This, of course, was uh, mine and yours uh, first mm-hmm. year hopping on with the team as uh, this crew at Stingray and CFCW uh, graciously wel- welcoming us into the fold. Uh, I went to three games. I, I was thinking about this. I mm-hmm. went on all the longest road trips, and you went on all the shortest ones. You played in Leduc and New Sarepta. <laughs> it's called a veteran move. And dude. I played in Pinoca, Rimby, and Daysland. But uh, a great crowd last night uh, down in Daysland, uh, kind of creeping closer back to my uh, home neck of the woods. Yeah. Um, chatted with a few of the guys on the other other team, which was comprised of uh, coaches in the Daysland minor hockey program, some parents of players and, and things like that. Uh, a couple of guys that had previously played for the Forestburg Flyers mm-hmm. of the ECSHL. Wow. Um, chatted with them. Uh, they don't play anymore. They had a beer league game right after this Critters game as well. So they were back on the ice for that. Mentioned they were big fans of yours in the program as well. So I wanted to give those boys a shout out. And um, yeah, $14,500 raised in total in one night for the uh, Daysland School Lunch Program. School breakfast and lunch program. So so great. Uh, the guest critter was Caden Cunningham. Oh, he lit it up. Lit it up. Good, good player. I mean, it's it's always a tough situation when you get uh, saddled riding shotgun with AJ Keller uh, mm-hmm. and then Sean Smith over on the other side too. Yes. But uh, thankfully there our guest critter, Caden, he carried them uh MVP of the game of course so what the heck Jordan Heck was the first goal of the game did he know the pie was coming no they never do yeah. they never do Kev uh next game is November of 2024 uh thanks to all the great sponsors uh Tracks Coach Lines West Edmonton Mall Fife and Deckel Edmonton Oil Kings Columbia Awards Royal Pizza West Edmonton that's where that's where the bus parks outside and right out they front got a of Royal meal, Pizza they meal load for the, the guys load and, the pizzas into yeah. the front couple seats the pies from Fife and Deckel which I know is a uh, low mm-hmm. tide's favorite spot as well it's uh, it, it is it is the closest I will ever get to feeling like a pro. <laughs> Pre-game meal, bus wow. ride, we get these bags done okay. up by Keitel, uh, pant yep. covers, socks, uh, the whole nine yards, and then a post. the post-game meal last night, beef on a bun, uh, of course, some local, uh, local produce there. Yeah. It was, man... Well, you're a pro now, Duke. I, I'm uh, I'm I'm climbing up the ranks Wait, here. You're, well, you're a veteran now. I've, next year, you get to decide where you go with the critters next year. I don't think so. I'll be happy if they uh, have me back. I was uh, far from a uh, yeah. uh, high uh, high output offensive producer for them. 
Um, so close to $80,000 raised this year, which is remarkable. Thanks to, to Marty and everyone, Marty Stevens and everybody that uh, helps organize this and all the great communities that are a part of it. Um, it's been a part of CFCW listeners for over 30 years, uh, 1.34 million raised uh, in that time for various yeah. charities. And it's, it's a lot of fun. So next year uh, we'll, we'll probably be, because we'll, it was all new to us, right? We're coming in here hot and in September and they say, hey, you want to play for the critters? And we're like, well, the Oilers are playing every Thursday. Hopefully, hopefully like a that. few less uh, Oilers Thursday night games next season to mm-hmm. uh, to uh, you know get make us more available for some of these. Because man, the road trips are great. Some uh, some old boys on the bus telling old stories, uh, talking shop about yeah. whether it's the Oilers or um, you know it kind of like we do here on the air. But uh, while we'll, we'll tip back a few cold beers <laughs> on our bus rides out to various parts of rural Alberta, so it's a great time. Once again, uh, can't thank Marty and Sean and AJ and the rest of the crew there for for having us out this season. It was a lot of fun. I'm glad. I, uh, glad I dove into mm-hmm. it. It was uh, a great season. Great show today. Great week. Uh, a lot of fun, man. We had uh, so many great guests this week, and, and again, it continued today. We had Nick uh, Baumgartner from The Athletic talking about the NFL with uh, draft coming up and uh, uh, the combine and everything else. Uh, Mark Spector from Rogers Sportsnet. Uh, David Amber, Hockey Night in Canada. Busy couple of days coming up for Super Dave and the Sportsnet crew. Joe O'Donnell, Minnesota Wild play-by-play man. And then Ted Appleman, Team Sturmey coach, guested with us uh, uh, to talk about uh, Team Sturmey and a big game coming up here in about oh, an hour with Jennifer Jones at the Scotties Tournament of Hearts. And of course, our co-host every Friday, Eddie Steele, the former CFLer, Great Cup champion, brought to you by Bonton Bakery for your uh, daily bread and a celebration cake. Bonton has that and everything in between for all your baked good needs. Order online at bonton.ca. Coming up at the top of the hour, it is Fantasy Frenzy with... The former Oshep T-Bird. Connor Halley and the Duke of Delburn at uh, 12 o'clock, the lowdown with Alan Mitchell. And then at 2 o'clock, Jason Greger drives us home with the Jason Greger show from 2 till 6. Thanks so much for listening, everybody. Really appreciated all your comments uh, coming down on the text line, even though we were down for about an hour and a half, two hours on the text line. Still some great comments coming in. Have a great weekend. We will back he- be back here on Monday morning, bright and early at 7 o'clock, to talk about uh, a couple of Oilers games, and then the Oilers play that night against uh, the LA Kings. Uh, coming up next, it is Fantasy Frenzy. Before that, here is the Duke with a Sports 1440 update. Have a wonderful weekend. Take care.